Welcome back again, Universians. Um, still deciding on that, so I guess. Say, yeah, I was about to say, so, so we've decided. Uh, we haven't received enough votes in our poll. Not going to disclose yeah. how many we've received, but we need more. Uh, so please do let us know what you think your um, what you think your descript what is that called the your not your label I don't know your numonym it's called like a numonym or something like that I probably got that wrong but how you should be described as a citizen of the universe um, so yeah we're back again today uh, Cooper Lynn Frank Abusick and Eric Schiraus this is before mm -hmm. lunch ends uh, last week we left off. We had a good discussion about quantum mechanics and entropy and learned a good bit there and had a really good discussion about, uh, towards the end, about how there is, you know, no privileged reference frame, um, if you will, in, in the universe. Like, there's no reference frame that's, um, you know... Um, there's just no reason to assume that anything is the, is the only copy of any system. Right, you know? right, right. Like, humans being the only intelligent species, yeah. the universe being the only The universe. only, and, and no, yeah, because there's no evidence to suggest uh, that there is only, you know, that we are the only intelligent life in the universe, or that there is only one universe, and so on and so forth. Um, well, the only ones that we really know about. Yeah, exactly. exactly, yeah. So we thought today that we'd kind of uh, extrapolate that a little bit more, and also see how that relates to the concept of free will. Um, you know, free will being, from the human perspective, being this idea that you have control over your actions and your thoughts and what you can do, um, and your life is not determined already. It, there's no, you know, there's no fate. Uh, there's no, uh, it's not determined. Um, probably some interesting thoughts on that that we'll have to, to have to share. Um, so let's see. You can jump right in. Um, and just start talking about, kind of pick up where we left off, just to recap, last week again. Um, so there is no, there is no privileged reference frame, and this means, this means that there's, th that the idea that humans are the only entity, or the only intelligent life in the universe, there's just no, there's just no evidence for that. Um, and, uh, you know, that the that the that there isn't even evidence that we're only in the in that we're this is the only universe that exists. Uh, in fact, there's there could be compelling evidence that uh, there that we live in a multiverse, right? That's that's the many worlds theory of quantum mechanics. I think that the burden of proof would be on disproving the multiverse and mm. not proving it, because like, what even is the universe? Okay, so like. The universe is really better defined as the observable universe, right? Because sure. like outside of the boundaries, we don't know what's going on, right? Yeah. The observable universe is just like, okay, past this point, light is traveling more slowly than space is expanding. Mm -hmm. So anything past that boundary will never, ever, ever, given an infinite time, reach our observable universe. That means that there's no hard boundary mm -hmm. on the universe. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, a mathematical, you know, uh, anomaly that doesn't mean anything to anybody else except the fact that okay this bounds what we can see so right. like to just blanket assume that nothing exists beyond what we can see is really just as um, let's say self uh, interested as saying that we are the only intelligent life or the only organic life in the universe 
Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with what we know now <clears throat> compared to what we may know 500 years from now. Yeah. Um, How so? So 500 years, let's say, before now, humans probably thought they knew a lot. And if you, you know, measure that against what we know today compared to 500 years ago, I mean, it blows. Yeah. We, we, we're so much more intelligent now than we were 500 years ago. Yeah. 500 years from now, if we can look back upon yeah, this I'm, current time. Yeah. I mean, less than 100 years ago. Yeah. yeah yes, even, I, even I, less than 80 years ago, we thought we were the only galaxy in the universe. Right. We didn't think that right. there are other like, stars that had planets or anything like that. We thought yeah. we were it. You know? So, like, there's, there's no reason why that train would, uh, would stop moving. Sure. That's one of my favorite, one of my favorite um, uh, just considerations is that the word modern mm -hmm. is like a thousand years old. Yeah. You know, just to think about, we call ourselves, every society identifies as being a modern society. Right. right. You know, but. It's a current society. There was a modern society a thousand years ago yeah, that was, definitely. that thought just as highly of themselves perhaps. No, that's fascinating. Right. Yeah. So you're yeah. saying that 500 years, years from, from now, now, we we <clears> may <throat> understand. I'm sure we'll understand our position in the universe and space time and everything that's related to um, everything that we know. We'll understand our position a lot more in detail. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot more discoveries. We'll maybe have a chance to have discovered other life forms. Sure. Which, when we do discover another life form is going to change this is going to blow people away and you know I think that you know we we know just as little about the external landscape really as we do about the internal one and I think that as I'm referencing now being like the brain has a lot of implications on you know where we fit in the broader multiverse you know mm -hmm. that's where I would feel like free will comes into it if you can definitively prove that free will does not exist, you have made a much stronger argument to the side of nothing being privileged, right? Like if humans are just programmed robots that do exactly what their neurology tells them to do and nothing, nothing more, and we're just slaves to evolution, that means that the system in play here is not humans, it's just evolution, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so that is totally agnostic to the entity that it's acting on. Yeah. And so it would be way more likely that evolution plays out on organics throughout the cosmos. Whereas sure. if you can prove to me that free will is a real thing and that there is some agency that human consciousness, whatever that is, has on affecting the future, then I'd say you are at least on the track to make the case that we are privileged or there is something special about us. Yeah. So exploring that a little further, how would you... Let's let's think about how would you prove if prove that free will exists. Like how could you prove that you have free will? I was I was listening to uh, another podcast um, that I'll put in the so it's the Sam Harris podcast is uh, waking up is outstanding for anyone listening. Um, so <clears throat> highly recommend. Um, and one of the thought experiments that Sam Harris will use is this idea of just try to think what your next thought will be. How, you know, take some time, take a, take a second and try to think what your next thought will be. That is implicitly impossible because in order to think your next thought, you must be thinking. Like you have to think your next thought. So 
Uh, and and that's I, I, to me, I think that's the like just from a from a thought experiment, ironically point of view, that's probably the most compelling. Um, I don't want to say evidence, but you know, compelling argument that there really is no such thing as free will, and that we are slaves to your you know neurobiology, and this and that we live in a universe that's just a wound clock, just mm. you know winding down right. <laughs> and there's no but but what you will and this is what we should probably discuss or you know what we could what we could discuss um humans feel it feels so much like we have free will like you know i can i'm picking up a piece of paper right now i'm waving it around and i just set it down and that was a decision that i made but um but if you if you really believe in you know the fundamental of this that that really that decision was driven by uh, by the chemical you know chemical reactions in my brain that were driven by a state before that and a state before that then uh, you know that wasn't a decision so how do you you know what do you guys think about that because it does feel so like it does feel like we have free will. Um, well. I, I would say that just like by merit of humans doing things that are either either just non-contributory or entirely counterproductive to evolutionary goals, which are to reproduce and arguably to survive. Like you know, yeah. If you if you really break it down, evolution actually plays against you after you have passed your childbearing ages and wants you to die. But we assume that the two goals are to reproduce and to survive, you know, humans either dedicating their lives or just on, on a pretty regular basis doing things that don't contribute to either of those goals, I think that's where you might find the complexity that brings about free will if it does exist. Though, hmm. so, I must say that the... No, yeah, the thought, the thought that I keep having is, you know, it's not just humans, it's different societies and how the you know, how you were raised and the propaganda that plays into your mind that determine mm. what you do every day. Like, if I'm going to do what I want to be doing today, I probably would hmm. be sleeping in a cabin somewhere. Yeah, sure. And, you know, but I, but I need to have a job. I yeah. I come to work. I have to follow certain rules to get here. I can't just run people off the road driving my car because I want to get here quicker. There's considerations for others. So there's this whole societal, um, you know, guidance that directs us. I think, in general, I, I think we do have control over our own destiny, but I think we all kind of exist on this platform, given our personality, given the stuff that we're exposed to, the propaganda, then, you know, if somebody watches the news every day, and it's a very biased uh, message, you're going to be thinking you're making your own decision, and you're really not. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and breaking it down to different societies and you know, you could interject a whole bunch of other ideologies into this, but um, I think we, we do exist on a platform, or it seems like, that guides us through our life in yeah. day to day. So I don't know if that... And I, and I think it's actually really interesting to have this conversation in the current era where we are on the verge of maybe not recreating, but really successfully emulating the brain in computers, mm -hmm. right? Like with artificial intelligence, especially you think of machine learning and how that works, like that's gonna give you a big indication about how humans really operate. You know, I, if you think we're 
the process of machine learning is you're given a basic set of rules and then you just do whatever you want and then after that doing whatever you want phase, you have to step back, assess the mistakes you made, and learn how to incorporate those mistakes into your basic set of rules mm -hmm. so that next time you do whatever you want, it's much more in line with your meta goals than the last time. And I feel like you, know, you can attribute a lot of these non-productive tendencies and self-destructive tendencies to these inaccuracies in the machine learning model, but ideally you you know, start to phase those out, but more, you know, complicatedly, I guess, with humans is like a lot of those non-productive, seemingly non-productive activities are in fact productive, you know, like taking up a hobby, even as, you know, seemingly useless as playing video games has been proven to have, you know, a market increase on your uh, cognitive capacity and your reflexes and things like that. So. I feel like it's just so difficult because of how intertwined the whole like cause and effect chain is when it comes to the brain mm -hmm. to, to make a call. I think we're all basically biological computers. Oh, certainly, with yeah. With algorithms that have, that are bi our biology is, totally. is basically, we're just not hardware. We're not made of... We're wetware. We're, yeah. we're, yeah. we're, we're <laughs> bioware. Yeah. And, you know... However, whoever, evolution, whatever, the creator, whoever, we have all these algorithms that are playing in our cells, and the, the, the simple goal is to survive. And I think a, we as a, hum, a human society, kind of profound, um, we've kind of sometimes, we're not, like, I'm not trying to survive every day. I can go to the grocery store and get my food. I don't have to go hunt something down. Right. Or I don't have to, I already have my, so in the way we do that is with going to work and having money. So in a, I think essentially we've made it harder for ourselves to survive if we really, really had to, which is kind of an interesting um, concept. But I think the overall mission of our bio biology is to simply survive mm -hmm. and, and, and well, I think uh, it's so create and yeah. I think you brought up an incredibly interesting point: how we don't have to factor survival as like a constant need in our day-to-day -day life, and that is something completely unique, at least in my mind, not completely, but almost entirely unique to human beings in that, you know, there are not many other species of animal that have the privilege of not having to think about survival at all the times. And so, you know, you don't get to see what those brains would do if all of their survival needs were satiated and they could just do whatever they want. Like, mm -hmm. the concept of want is this privilege that you don't get access to until you've covered all your survival bases, right? Yeah. And I think that idea of want is like the biggest, you know, the biggest gray area or hotbed where you would find the answer to this question, you yeah. know what I mean? Because like the simple idea of wanting something that isn't a direct contribution to your survival goals or evolutionary goals is, you know, on its face, odds. right? Yeah. Counterintuitive to the plan, which is evolution, which, as far as we're concerned, is the only mechanism we're, we're driving in, us. We're in devolution right now. <laughs> it looks <laughs> like it. It kind of looks like yeah. it. No, that's a re that's that's a really good point. Um, the fact that we we've evolved to have excess brain capacity to have to use for something, right? Um, and much of that is used in pursuit of our own wants and our own goals, which may or may not fall in line with evolutional you know evolutionary tendencies. Mm -hmm. 
yet still they're un like again get it so thinking about this whole free will thing what underlies those thought processes on a biological level are evolutionary processes so at some point you get this phase shift if you like you get this uh, emergence right yeah. you get this it emerges where you uh, what you get from those evolution from the the, the processes happening in your brain is the ability to want uh, something even though but it's still so based in like physical reality in, in physics you know in by and you know hard science that um, it, I mean it, it, it I don't know the dichotomy is just so interesting and uh, well, you know I think I see where you're going we, we've evolved and we have this amazing biological capability to do things we're no longer evolving but we're using what we have to to get what we want to do the things we want to do well I would say we're constantly evolving we're st we're still evolving sure yeah yeah um, but it's kind of like I don't know if you use, use the word phase shift it's kind of like we continue to evolve physically but also consciously technological advancements yep. we're, we're also evolving and it's kind of like we can get to the point where we could cre recreate where we started. Mm. Humans could recreate this whole thing that we're ex we're and and I think it's like the matrix. Right. And yeah. I think it's really interesting because like it's I I struggle to find an activity. And I know I was the person who incited all of this like the idea of doing non-productive activities, but I find it very hard to find an activity that is inherently non-productive. Like if you think, okay, so. What what did society do once we really got to the point where we didn't have to constantly think about survival goals? You know, maybe just in the last couple thousand years, to be generous, yeah. we had the opportunity to start branching out into things like art and Aristotelian you know, science. leisure. Right. right. And so, like, what is the the thing that allows humans to evolve so much more quickly than animals? I would argue that the primary thing is the uh, propagation of knowledge through generations, right? Like the the problem with animals is they have all of these innate abilities. That's why they can operate, you know, right out of the gate so much more quickly. Where babies take years in order to be, you know, 18 years you could say to become self-sufficient. But we are absorbing learned knowledge that has been accumulated over our entire human history. And so now humans here are equipped with thousands of years of knowledge, whereas animals are only equipped with the knowledge of the generation right before them that raised them. And so I think you can see all of these pursuits like art, uh, you know, music, Sci scientific advancement for you know just technological sake to be just <clears throat> contributing to this knowledge base that's a uniquely evolutionarily beneficial construct because like if you devote your life to you know a scientific discovery you know you 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 make a hypothesis at the beginning of your life some of these scientists spend sixty years whatever developing this one theory you're not really doing that for yourself because you don't really get to benefit personally from the acquisition of this knowledge. The only people that benefit is society and the generations you you're know, ahead leaving, of you. You're leaving a le legacy. Right, so like, I think that the fact that you are still motivated to seek out this knowledge even though you know, you know that it's not going to directly benefit you kind of proves that that is a solely evolutionary, mm. evolutionary tendency because like, you know, that pressure is going to drive evolution much more quickly 
as is evidenced by how much farther humans are along than animals, than you know, not doing this knowledge seeking, which on its face doesn't seem to be productive to the day-to-day -day survival. If, if, if we could only get into the mind of like a dolphin or a whale, yeah. we would be able to confirm that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, animals go out and they're using their instincts to survive. If humans use their base instincts for survival, a lot of us probably be arrested and put in jail. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know, and you think but of we like, have all these laws and rules that we have to abide by, and right. I mean, hey, we're we're all still monkeys. Yeah. yeah. We're all still primates. And uh, you know, you you <laughs> see socialization and like play in the higher animals. You know what I mean? You don't see reptiles really playing or anything like that or socializing. Yeah. It's it's very. You know, self-centered, right? Elephants, dolphins, dogs, even. You know, they all do this socialization and, and, and this kind of, you know, mental exercise that you don't necessarily get from just doing the same kind of repetitive to-do list every day to keep yourself alive. Yeah. So, do animals have free will? Well, that's a great question, and, and kind of the most interesting experiment that I've ever heard of be done, not most interesting, just very novel experiment being done on, on this concept of free will and suggestion was, uh, and you're going to have to forgive me because I, I forget the actual um, specific data that was gained from this, but was found is that the experiment was you were put into an empty room and there was one other person and then this person who was part of the experiment would just start berating you and they were measuring your response to being, you know, uh, put in this kind of stress. And so what they found is that, you know, people tended to have, you know, a, a pretty okay response to it. They, they would not lose their cool that often, or they would in a way that was to be expected. But putting a, you know, can of, hot, of smelly garbage in that room actually increased the likelihood that you would respond negatively or aggressively to that person by some, like, astronomical number, like by a factor of three times or four times or something. You know what I mean? It's because the garbage being in that room kicks off the disgust response in your brain, which is very, very ingrained into your survival because disgusting things tend to be, you know, have a Dangerous. negative health outcome. Yeah. Right. So because that pathway in your brain is activated, you are way more likely to output a response that, you know, airs on the side of disgust than you would if that wasn't there. So like there are all these physical ways that you can elicit a choice, what it seems to be a choice, you know, the choice to lash out against this person that's berating you when in reality the environment completely set up that chain of events for you. That is a so I want to I want to take this into what what are the implications now? This is people talk about this. But what are what are the implications of there being no free will and on our own morals, how we treat each other, ethics, that sort of thing? If no one is in control of what they do, should we hold them accountable for their actions? And see, so that's a very very interesting question, and I think that there are. I think that if, if you, if we, you know, abide, right, if we abide, abide by the principle that there is no free will and everybody is acting, you know, based on their biology. Their computer programs. Right. They're just, you, you know. Right. You treat people who do wrong as, you know, not to be aggressive here, but like defective in some way to have some negative health outcome is causing them to act off of the status quo and you treat it as you know, you would treat any other disease or illness. Um, 
like the guy who I forget the full story, but the guy who committed like the what was like the shooting in Texas where the guy climbed up onto that bell tower and started shooting kids at that college. I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So he like suffered a brain injury, or I don't know if he was born with it or whatever, where there was like a, a tumor that was swelling and pushing on this part of the brain that's responsible for this type of decision making. And he had said multiple times, like, you know, while I think it was an injury or a disease that was causing this to come up later in his life, where he had said, you know, I'm losing control of my actions because all before this he was, you know, a totally normal person, didn't have these tendencies. I'm starting to feel angry. I react more aggressively to things than I normally do. And that's only because some physical thing in his brain mm -hmm. was forcing these, you know, outcomes to happen. And I say outcomes instead of choices because, sure. again, like, these, these are all, you know, biologically... Um, identifiable issues yeah you know what i mean that ended up causing it. and they do the autopsy and they found this tumor pushing on the exact areas of the brain that the sure. um, physicians had expected it would be there yeah. to cause these problems like what do you do to that person do sure you punish them because you know that punishment isn't going to change anything because they're not in control of the back decision. to a lot of the, a lot of people in, in um incarcerated actually have a, an extra x or y uh, x chromosome yeah is it x they have instead of I think all of us well, not all of us all males are half female, mm -hmm. so it's we have um, but they find that people who are in, in prison have actually an extra X chromosome, so they actually have a tendency to out to respond a very aggressively or angrily. Hmm. I would um, yeah I'd say you could totally and, and that's kind of a, a flaw in the code sure. the biological mm -hmm. code. It's, yeah. Is that person really responsible? They can only do so much to control their actions. So I want to take it one step. I agree. So these are great points to illustrate, uh, yeah, the fact that a lot of this is driven by brain chemistry and evolution, and to a certain to a certain extent, or maybe to to all extents, you know, those people should not be held accountable for, uh, you know, their actions, good or bad. Let's just say. But what about consider the situation where you have a completely normal looking this is an ethical question or you know i guess mm. feel it's more more uh, more ethical there's a completely normal looking person um who commits some atro like every, no brain tumors nothing all the right x chromosomes and you know every everything about this person is completely normal and yet they go out uh, you know tomorrow and kill everyone or you know and and not not to be too, too not to I don't want to turn this into yeah, that yeah. kind of podcast right but they commit some sort of atrocity something that everyone hates mm -hmm. should they be accountable for their actions they consciously made the decision to go out there's nothing wrong with their brain I think I, I'm guessing I think if you can answer this then we're really talking about what is like if if you, do you, if, think if, you have, if you take it upon yourself to to kill another person mm -hmm. I think no, for no reason for no reason I, there's something clearly not not right i think that at least for the record i think we all agree with yeah that. <laughs> so i don't know you have to catch that before it happens and i don't know that we do that as a society but i just think i think there's something um a flaw in the program you know and, 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 the, and the not almost the analytics right. but in the algorithm yeah and, and, and i think it kind of goes to the way that society should like treat those cases and i, and I think it should become a state where it is assumed medical, like a medical or a biological issue until that's disproven. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, since 
if we are going down this this line that free will is you know less and less a real entity, which seems to be the case, you know, further scientific discoveries kind of pointing more and more into that direction that things are determined, at least in the brain. Um, then I think it should be assumed, okay, like we need to run all these tests on this person, give them an MRI, you know, figure out what their environment growing up was, you know, because the, the two major factors in any person's life were biology and environment, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And yep. environment absolutely affects biology. That's where you get things like the entire field of epigenetics, where genes kind of evolve and express themselves in different ways based on, you know, the stimulus that you receive. And environment definitely determines your epigenetics which you know might not look and to those people who don't know epigenetics it's like just putting tags on genes you know like so proteins will go in and put like a little tag on a gene to pretty much note to express it more or to express it less you know what i mean sure so i think that that would not come across as an overtly uh you know, or, or an overt problem, like they have some clear like tumor growing in their brain, or something's not connected right, or whatever. You know, these things are way more subtle, but they are just as biologically determined yeah. and just as you know unaffected by will or, right. or, or whatever that. That's may be. the that's the key there. They're just as as. Uh... And by the way, I don't think we are, for the record, yet yeah, not defending any. Absolutely not. You know, there's there's. <laughs> We, we are not a proponent of any sort of, you know, violence or anything like that. We're just, we're merely using our maybe free will to, yeah. <laughs> you know, to think I, about this well, I think evolution so, would, I, would certainly encourage us to be having these conversations. We don't, yeah, we don't think there's such thing as free will, so you can't hold us accountable for our, what, this conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> and I was going to put kind of a, a, an, you know, a, a Christian, from a, from a standpoint of Christianity, you know, when, when Jesus was being crucified, he asked the, the you know, the people, the Romans or whoever crucifying him, you know, forgive them, Father, for they not know they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of like is is a way of humans are only have so much control over what they do. And from a religious standpoint, there's a lot of examples of that. You you if somebody smacks you, you're supposed to just you, you want to hit me again? Mm -hmm. And that ability to forgive is kind of like acknowledging that the human doesn't have full control over their ability to do things. And sometimes we just fall into a pit where we do things uncontrollably. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that uh, idea that, that religions uh, are... That well, um, physics says there's no such thing as free will, and uh, that's in line with a lot of religious I, yeah. texts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's why religion, a lot of religions, I guess, evolved. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, that's just a perspective, that <clears throat> because humans aren't capable of controlling themselves, and as we evolved from, you know, primates or, or however that really happened, um, you know, there were limitations. As we became more intelligent, there were limitations. Oh, well, I only have so much control over my actions. I don't mean to do that. You know, please forgive me or whatever. So it's, it's acknowledging that humans needed something to control their inability to control themselves. So in ideologies, many ideologies came about and like, oh, well, if I follow this ideology, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to be a better person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think something you brought up is really salient, the idea that you should treat people as though 
some force has caused them to make a decision instead of them, you know, wanting to make a decision. Like if someone attacks you or you know berates you, it is way healthier and way easier for you to get over if you attribute that to. You know, there is something wrong with this person's brain chemistry that's causing them to react this way to me, yeah. rather than saying, you know, this person sucks and they're an asshole Someone and that's hit him back. right. That's why he's being mean to me. He yeah. feels good when he's mean to me. He right. wants to do it. It's what you know. That grudge is gonna last way longer than if you just chalk it up to biology. And mm -hmm. so I think that it's pretty clear that operating as though free will doesn't exist is the preferable outcome for the individual and for society. And I think if you link that to physics, you'll find that in the cases historically where you know all of the equations and, and the experiments and the math, whatever, are telling you, you know, this thing exists or this law exists, but you can't prove it. But you know, the science works way better if you assume it's true. Very often you will find that that blank gets filled in. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. Like operating as though relativity is real, even if before it was proven, you know, you can still arrive at all of the advancements like, um, uh, you know, like GPS and things like that, regardless of whether it's proven. And it's the same thing with black holes. We've never seen a black hole ever. Mm -hmm. We just see its influence. Yep. And so we assume that they're there. You know what I mean? So I feel like if there are so many signs pointing us in the direction of operating as though free will doesn't exist, I think it's more likely that that be the truth yeah. than the opposite. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to, to tie that off. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've previously thought of it, thought of the whole human aspect as like we're in a suit. Like we've been placed, our, our algorithm has been, biological computers have been placed in a suit. We're imperfect, but we have to go around life and, and manipulate and navigate this suit through humanity and we're going to screw up, but you know, and, we, we only have limited control over what we're and, and I think to answer the initial question you posed, uh, Eric, when you say, if we assume there's no free will, how should society operate? I think that in that situation, you need to kind of see everything and operate on this perspective of, and it seems kind of idealistic, but that's what evolution is, is just a very slow crawl towards the ideal. It's, you know, you should frame all of your actions in how they affect the future, how they affect all of humanity as it moves forward. And that is inherently something that evolution needs to select for because it is more difficult to attribute wrongdoing to, uh, you know, a lack of free will than to attribute it to somebody's will. You know, it requires more mental effort. Um, and I think the idea of being less selfish is also something that, you know, requires evolution. But it's interesting because evolution kind of requires both to be perfect. You know, you need to be selfish enough to get you as an individual to the most, um, you know, beneficial state in your life so that your offspring are in the most uh, you know positive state that they could be in but at the same time evolution would also require you to operate in ways that contribute to society as a whole that are not selfishly uh, driven driven yeah right more socially driven right and so I think you know the, the, the you're going to see the scale of evolution hopefully tipping more towards this selflessness but while retaining that base le level of selfishness, like it'll be a while. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Hold on.
Yeah. Well, um, this has been an outstanding podcast. Uh, we are up against our wall for today. Yes. Um, we don't have Next choice. week, yeah, yeah. We don't have a choice yeah. about that. Yeah, many puns coming about how we can't just can't we have no control like, over over what's talking. happening. Yeah, yeah. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, next week's topics are TBD, um, but I we like hope that. to. We, I love that topic. TBD. Yeah, TBD. Yeah. Hey, well, actually, they're not TBD. They are already determined. We Ooh. just don't know what they are. <laughs> then that bombshell mic drop. I <laughs> think we're gonna go. Thanks again for tuning in, and let us know what you think. <laughs>